It was just like, okay, this is validation of what we're trying to do here. We just need to keep, <laughs> just need to keep going, full throttle. Welcome to Biz Build Podcast, presented to you by the good folks here at Diamondback Tool Company. I'm the host of the show, Damani, head of sales and media for Diamondback Tool Belts. Follow me at Diamondback underscore Damani, that's D-A-M-A-N-I on Instagram. I'm here, as I will be on every episode, with Connor Crook, CEO of Diamondback Tool Belts. Follow him on Instagram at diamondback.toolbelts. The purpose of BizBuild is to provide listeners an inside track on what it takes to build a business. It is our hope that you can learn from our successes and pitfalls and siphon knowledge from our various expertise so that you can get an edge in the business of building something great. We are happy to bring you up to speed on what has happened since Connor purchased Diamondback in October of 2016. And from my understanding, the company was defunct when you bought it. It was pretty much defunct. It was defunct. It was all the funk. It was all the funk. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we found out the company was for sale in August of 2016. Um, <clears throat> got an email from someone who heard about it. And when we reached out to the owners at the time, um, I said, hey, you know, we're interested in buying this company. We'd like to see some product. What do you have? And learn a little bit more about it. The response was, yeah, we don't have any product. We've sold everything months ago, and we stopped taking orders and stopped building anything in April. And this was August. Wow. So, yeah. So how do you then get product to sell or even get product to see to know whether or not you want to sell it? Right. So um, the company had a Facebook group, Mm -hmm. and there was a guy selling a tool belt on Facebook. And um, so I said, sure, I'll take it. I would show you that tool belt, except someone sitting at this table sold half of it. Um, I think that was me. Yeah. Yeah. So we bought that one and found out a little bit about what the construction was and how they were made and everything. And so um, along the way, I said, okay, this sounds good. Mm-hmm. And part of the closing process on buying the bill, business, much like closing on a house, was here are the requirements. We need to have one of everything you make. Right. And it makes so, sense. Yeah. So they made one of everything close to um, that they made, um, sent us some videos, sort of how the process went of making them and some written instructions. One of the interesting things was the written instructions, the descriptions on the website, the descriptions in the catalog at the time and the videos, nothing matched. Hmm. So it was sort of like there was a wrangle pouch and in one place it was described this way and one place it was described this way and different. So we finally just kind of had to say, okay, from this day forth, this right. shall be a wrangle pouch. And right. so we, we sort of figured out that stuff out. And then, of course, talking with you know commercial manufacturers, the thing about sewing is everything still has to be handmade, no matter if you're, what it is. If it's made in a factory, it's still handmade. Right. But it's made differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know we sent all the products off to a manufacturer, and they essentially still had to reverse engineer everything. But we got it going. And the deal that we struck with all the folks who had orders, there were, I don't know how, I can't remember how many people, um, it was a good chunk of change, uh, people who had orders. And we said, look, stick with us. We'll get this this boat going. And if you, you know, if you paid $400 for your tool belt, we will give you $400 in credit plus X percent based on how long you've been waiting. If you'll just stick with us. All right. And that allowed us to have a little bit of operating capital to get things going, buy some supplies, whatever. And we decided we're going to start with black Denali. That's the most popular thing. 
and we've rolled those out and we set up a schedule that we updated people with on Facebook and on the website of how we were rolling out the new products. And it was sort of like, we're not going to make exactly what you order, right. but if you stick with us, you know, when something comes up, you do want buy it and you'll have some extra credits. So let me back up for a second, because I'm thinking to myself, if I'm looking at a company that I want to purchase and it's in disarray, like that might be a red flag for me. Right. Like, I'm not sure if I want to go completely in on something that obviously there's some organizational issues that are occurring there. Like there's no what? organizational issues when there's only one person. All right. OK, <laughs> cool, cool. So, I mean, so I mean, so how do you go into that scenario with a clear conscience? Like this is going to be something that I can take and move forward with. Somewhere down here. Uh, in your spleen? In my spleen. Yeah, okay. My liver, my liver. <laughs> yeah. um, <clears throat> Hashtag he points to spleen. It was it was really um, saw one product mm -hmm. and said this is this is well made. Okay. Um, and then got on the company's Facebook group and you could see the passion of the people who were buying this product. Mm. The fact that people in August had already been waiting four or five months and had not canceled an order. Wow, was that's like, impressive. People want this stuff. Yeah, yeah. If we can just capture the orders that are already there people think of if, if there's 50 people who have orders waiting for fifth for four months right there's at least 50 more who would have bought it if they could have gotten it sooner <laughs> right 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 and so you know we it's like this is a great product uh -huh. all we got to do is get the operational side right and get it out to a wider audience and we got something so, so basically, it's just like the pre-existing demand was like, okay, this is a strong demand. So we need to we need to service this. Group yeah, of it people. was it was just like um, you know another business I'd looked at before. I bought this one that was you know it's clear that this was a, a great product. And actually, we'll talk about this in a, in a different episode. Great product, demand is there, just structural problems within the company, mm -hmm. and those are things that you know if you if you just take a, a different look at it, a lot of times you can fix those things. So what made you the person to be able to fix those issues? I have no idea. Um, at the time, I had a partner who had been in the industry for a while. So, uh, and of course, I'd been a lawyer for many years. Because I said, well, between the two of us, between in industry knowledge and being a lawyer means figuring stuff out. Right. And I said, you know, we'll figure this out. Did you like a general practice lawyer? You weren't specific, specific to any? I did primarily litigation. Okay. And in litigation, the secret to litigation is somebody drops a case on your desk and you've got, you know, a couple of weeks to kind of get your head into it, figure it out, and then over a couple of months, be ready for a trial and ready to fight over this, this set of facts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you wipe it out of your mind and, and move, move on, on to, to the, the next, next one. one. Right. And, okay. of course, usually you're, you've got – Several of those going at the same time. So it's just, it's just product project management. All right. So you're confident in your ability to solve problems. And so you look at this and you're just like, this is a solvable problem. This is a solvable problem. I have, I have seen companies that I have represented in the past go through these problems. I know where the pitfalls are. I think we can do a better job. So you buy the company. You figure out a manufacturing scenario where mm -hmm. you can start making this product um, a greater volume. Right. So that people don't have to wait as long to right. get, you know, because they're waiting four months before right. on a regular basis. So, you know, you want to make it so that they can wait a week. 
before they get the product. Exactly. Um, so now you've got a little bit of stock sitting in a small warehouse that you've rented here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, actually, it's my law office in the back room. Okay, so in, <laughs> yeah, in a closet somewhere, right? And so you're pushing this out. But now, now you've got the stock and now you've got to move it. Uh -huh. um, and we know that right around this time, uh, whereas once upon a time when Diamondback was first started in 1993, print media was a huge thing, right? Yep. You could put ads in a couple of major magazines, fine home building or other um, uh, places that people, we know that people in the industry are paying attention to all the time. But by the time uh, 2016, 2017 rolls around, print is starting to not be as effective. Um, you probably don't have the budget to start running commercials during the Super Bowl. No, no, right? no, no. no. So how do you get the information out there that this is a product that is existing again and that you could actually get it? Well, I thought about streaking the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, I would have watched that. <laughs> we, um, so the company had a Facebook group at the time, and we started a business page. And at my age, 40 at the time, I'd never been on any kind of social media. I always wonder why in the world do people care that I'm going to the bathroom and I need to tell the world that or whatever. But... Someone um, cares. Someone cares. And so, you know, Facebook had done a good job of connecting us to the existing audience of Diamondback, people who were already sort of into it, had already had, it was more of a user's group at that time. Mm -hmm. So we had that, have you heard about this Instagram thing? Let's try this Instagram thing. Mm -hmm. And so we got on Instagram and through there quickly met um, you know, some of the guys that were still sort of our lead users today, um, like Kiefer, Tulaholic, and... I think uh, Joe Cannon, Canadian Carpenter, reached out to me pretty early and just kind of trying to figure out the whole Instagram model, which is a whole different topic of conversation. But mm -hmm. we got into Instagram and, uh, you know, we we got some reviews in some of the magazines and that got us a little step. We went to JLC the first year. Nobody had a clue who we were, but mm -hmm. it's Instagram, man. Right. So... You had no idea what you were getting into when you got into Instagram because I can personally attest you spend a lot of time on Instagram. My wife would attest to that as well. Yeah, and um, I mean, what percentage of a day do you think you or hours in a day do you spend on Instagram? And could you have even imagined that it a would life be without it? Right. Yeah. You no, know, it's like I mean, I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is check my emails and my Instagram messages. Um, you know, we've usually got a post up before while I'm sitting there having breakfast, which is when most of my customers are already working. Another one at lunch. Another one later in the day. I'm DMing people all day. I'm commenting. I'm and it goes until I go to bed at night. Right. It's just a part of me now. I can't imagine not doing it. So this is not a nine to five running down. It, no, no. The first thing you'll ever learn in, in owning your own company is it's not a nine to five job. You try to try to make it work uh, for a lifestyle, but you're in for a dollar, you're in, in for a dollar. So the first year, you do okay. Yep. Right. We did in the first year, 2017. You know, it really took us until about May before we were able to just say, okay, we're ready to take orders, whatever you want to order. We kind of built up stock by then. And we did all right. We did, <clears throat> I think we did about two and a half times what the company had been doing before. Right. And, and you attribute that to just the visibility in social media. Getting the product out there in front of people. Right. And as people are getting this product, what's the reaction to it when they get it? You're tuned in to the Biz Build Podcast. I'm Damani. And I'm Connor Crook.
you know, we had great uh, feedback from all the people who reviewed it. We had great feedback from people or customers who were, and it was, we were sort of building that momentum in Instagram. People were like, oh my God, I've never been so comfortable in a tool belt. This is the greatest thing. And it was just like, okay, this is validation of what we're trying to do here. We just need to keep, <laughs> just need to keep going full throttle. All right. So, and going full throttle, like you got to have product. Yep. You know, demand is great to have, but yep. if you don't have the product, then you're in a bad situation. They call those good problems, but they're still problems. All right, and I feel like um, you sort of run into, or we, and in general, we have run into, as the company has grown so significantly since fall of 2016, some major issues with fulfilling the demand for the product. Yeah, it's been a constant issue. Uh, Anytime you're growing a business where you're doubling and tripling every year, it makes it difficult. We've had manufacturers who are huge, you know, a million square feet under roof. Um, and they've told us over and over, we can keep up, we can keep up. And they would fall behind a little bit. Then as we would maybe go into a slower cycle during the summer, they would catch back up. But this this year, we never slowed down during the summer. We haven't been able to catch up. And so, yeah, it's been it's been a cyclical thing. We now kind of understand the business cycle as it goes through the year, when people are buying more, when people are buying less. But primarily, there's a season for tool belts. There is a season for tool belts. There's a season for everything, man. Don't you, you read these <laughs> things? Um, and, it's but it's April. It smells like time for me to buy a tool belt. But it's different globally. You know, we right. sell a lot internationally now. And um, for instance, in Canada, when things slow down here in the summer in the U.S., things are picking up in Canada because you know you can actually go outside in the summertime in Canada. Right. Um, they get dark in the wintertime. Um, but so the, this, the, the business cycle definitely changes. But this year, we, we just finally said, okay, we need, find, we need to get somebody in here to help us with this. We hired a consultant uh, with a lot of manufacturing experience, and he was able to help us bring on three, four new manufacturers. And now we're looking at hiring a full-time operations person. And job number one for that position is find a new manufacturer every three or four months to, to keep pace with our growth. Well, it's the belief that the textile industry in general in the United States is on a decline and that it's really difficult to find uh, companies here that have the capacity or the willingness to do the kind of manufacturing that you need. Right. Well, you know, we all know about the, the uh, something about the textile market in the industry, much like the greater labor industry, I- labor in, in the United States since NAFTA, since the Chinese uh, sort of everything moving to China and, and whatnot. There is still a sewing, and I'm from South Carolina, and the sewing industry down there used to be knitted wear, T-shirts, socks, that kind of stuff. Don't, dead, never coming back, sorry. Um, this kind of manufacturing, with, with this kind of cloth, this heavier manufacturing, the military has kept it alive. Uh, there's a, there's a, a stipulation in the federal law that says that everything the military buy has to be U.S. made. So there are factories using this heavy material. And of course, we're dedicated to keeping our product here um, but it doesn't make sense for large companies, large manufacturers to train people. They need people who come in and are already trained. Everybody knows that running a business. It's like you, how much are you going to invest in someone to work for you? So these companies are looking for people who are already trained. And so there's a pool of people in this town. They're all sewing Diamondback now. We go to the next town. We find the pool of people there who can sew. We'll, we'll hire all of them at, at this factory. And so it really helps us grow and stay competitive by spreading out the work around the country. You, so, you mentioned a little bit about the difference in how people purchase tool belts here versus in Canada. Mm-hmm. But um, 
you're doing we're doing a lot of business outside of the United States or North America. Yeah. Right. So uh, the uh, United Kingdom, um, there's a distributor in Sweden, yep. Australia. Yep. Uh, we've got actually got some traction in South Korea. Yep. Uh, do you see any uh, common threads between the places that are picking up on the products? And how do you see the international market playing into your overall growth with the company? You know, it's interesting. I read a, 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 an article this morning, started reading one in the Atlantic, and it was about how big houses are in the United States. We have the biggest houses of anywhere. Mm -hmm. the only one person living five-bedroom house. Right. The only countries that compare to us in size of construction, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. Wow. And they're all stick-built construction, much like we are. So the natural places for us to go. Meaning timberwood frames. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, and so then when you get into Scandinavia, you have some of the same construction. So I think we have a good traction there. Of course, we fight people there normally are wearing uh, work pants mm -hmm. with the exterior pockets. They're not used to wearing tool belts. So we actually sell a little bit different mix of products there. And then, of course, UK, there's some wood construction there. But then when you get to Southern Europe, it's all... Um, concrete and stuccos was a different uh, means of construction. So I think that in the English-speaking world where they're doing stick construction, we see a lot of potential growth. Some of the other areas, we, have, we can be the first to market, mm -hmm. but we've got to create the market by showing those folks the value of wearing a tool belt. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Obviously, the social media component has helped get the word out there about Diamondback all over the world because mm -hmm. social media is not confined to one particular country or whatever. Um, and Instagram has been a big thing. Um, but we know now that people are using YouTube instead of watching television. Right. Um, how's getting exposure in that realm different? So YouTube, you know, we... <sighs> You and I have sort of been trying to been trying trying to understand how YouTube works. It's not as interactive as Instagram, which gives people you, like to see their comments. Right, people <laughs> like to comment on Instagram. It creates this uh, this culture, um, this community. Whereas you don't so much get that on YouTube. Um, we also see that you know, frankly, there's a lot of people on YouTube who might have tremendous numbers of subscribers and followers or whatever who are doing not really doing great work. They have gotten popular for other reasons. Uh, for instance, if you look for how to do a certain construction type, you might find Norm all the way down at the bottom, mm -hmm. whereas there's some random person doing it all wrong up at the top. But he's got a big personality. But he's got so a big personality. Like a lot, so so it's, it's, the cookie it's monster crazy. of house building. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so the thing we've learned with YouTube is, uh, you know, first of all, we've, we've got this great guy, Kyle Stumpenhorst, RR Buildings. Um, Shout out to Kyle. Shout out to Kyle. First uh, time he ever called Diamondback, right? I knew him through YouTube and through Instagram or whatever, but we had never even spoke or even emailed. And he called to ask about something. And I picked up the phone, hey, Diamondback, this is Damani. He's like, yeah, this is Kyle from our building. And I was like, hey, man. And he was like, yo, I think <laughs> like I, you're a little bit too excited. <laughs> I think I jumped on his back and gave him a bear hug the first time I met him. But, you know, um, Kyle's been a supporter of Diamondback since the early days, of course, we designed the Grande system with him. And, you know, every week we talk to somebody who says, you know, we said, where'd you hear about us? Oh, there's this guy that builds pole barns on YouTube. Great guy. Like in the middle of nowhere. Right. right? Is he like in Iowa, Nebraska? Franklin Grove, Illinois, if Illinois. I'm right. Yeah, um, okay, maybe. So, Halfway to nowhere. <laughs> so, you know, 
we know that he's built, and we can see what he's done, um, and some of the other folks, um, you know, Matt Resinger with the Build Show. We see what he's done on YouTube. So what we're trying to do with YouTube now is a couple of different things. We're, we're never going to have probably the interesting content that those guys have because they're showing you techniques and, and technical stuff. But what we can use YouTube for is a repository for information because we don't have a lot of dealers. Of course, we're trying to add dealers, but people want to know more about the product, the touch and the feel of the product. So we can put videos on YouTube that you can reference over and over again. The problem with Instagram is, is a, the, the half-life of an Instagram post is about five minutes. Right. YouTube is always there. You can go back and, and see, okay, well, this is the miter pouch. This is what Damani's telling me about the miter pouch. Um, our, our FAQs, uh, like can you wash tool belts? Man, we get asked that every day. Now there's a YouTube video. And it's really helpful for you know us and customer service to be able to say, hey, caller, um, go look at the YouTube channel to answer that. And it's not just blowing the person off. It's, I can sit here and describe it to you on the phone, but... But you can see it now. Yeah, it's better, better if you just, just look at it. YouTube channel right, right. You can see it. So we're trying to put as much content as we can on YouTube really to just explain the product and then, of course, we can use it as a repository for these types of things, these interviews and whatnot, so that people can learn more about us and more about the company. Well, it sounds to me that you're also being extremely discerning about uh, who it is that you want representing the product out there visually. Like, you're not just like, you're, you're not just saying, I, I'm going to send a bunch of Diamondback tool belts to whoever's getting the most views on YouTube. Right. Right. You're like, let's find guys that are doing, or, or women, that are doing great work, right, and yep. get the product associated with those particular people. Right. I mean, Diamondback is a premium product, mm -hmm. uh, and we want to be associated with premium quality. So, yeah, we're. it's not about the number of hits. It's not about the number of follows. It's about what kind of work you're doing. Uh, and, and, you know, this goes back to some of the stuff we do with product development. Sure, we've got some great people out there who do a lot of product testing for us, who have a lot of followers on Instagram or YouTube or whatever. But then we have other folks who do product testing for us who maybe don't, but they've been really interactive in the process of designing new products. And if somebody's messaging me every day, every time I do a story about a new product, you know, they're going to be at the top of the list to get right. the, because they, they've invested in it. And, right. and you know, we need to reciprocate It's that. not so much about their actual social media imprint. It's about their engagement in, with the company. It's about the fact that they have the expertise on that particular product. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I don't. So Expertise plus engagement yeah, 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 yeah. will work with you. Yes. Uh, so you were saying that, you know, uh, uh, having people then come to the YouTube to get information about uh the YouTube, right, to find uh, information about the company because we don't necessarily have as many dealers out there mm -hmm. or brick-and-mortar dealers out there. I mean, do a, we're doing a lot of things through direct sales. There's been a lot of challenges in acquiring uh, brick-and-mortar dealers, mm -hmm. um, even more so acquiring the dealer reps or the companies that would go out there and then service these particular places. Sure. Could you talk a little bit about, like, those challenges and why it's been hard to get people to <clears throat> pick up on what is obviously a good product? In my opinion. Well, you know, Instagram is an echo chamber. Um, you know, some days I get all of these messages from people. I get all of these, this is the greatest product ever. We love it. You know, we love what you're doing with the company. And I get all excited. And then I call a dealer and I say, man, I've got like 50 people in your town wanting to buy this pro product. And they're like, who the hell are you? 
Because they're not on Instagram. They're not on Instagram. They are the only people they're listening to are the sales reps who show up. You know, I was meeting with some reps and some um, dealers the other week on a on a trip, and you know, I'm talking about uh, Tulaholic and Kruger Construction or or Gary Katz even, and right. they they some of them heard about Gary Katz. Like, oh yeah, he's the guy that does the road show. Right. And combined, these guys have half a million followers on social media. But it's it's a black box to the folks in the stores because they're worried about selling the product that's in the store. And when a rep comes in and says, "This is the product you should buy," that's the product they should buy. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at a Diamondback, and they're like, nobody's ever going to pay that for a tool belt. I'm like, actually. They already are. We're selling them hand over fist faster than we can make them. Right. And you could get a piece of that action if you get on board. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the stores, they know they know certain brands. They have limited amount of space in the stores. Yeah, we'd love to carry you, but, you know, our walls are full. Um, and so they're just they're challenges. The company's growing at a really rapid rate. Um, it's a good problem to have. Um, obviously figuring out the manufacturing issues, figuring out the best way to actually sell the product to people. Those are all things that need to be done. In your mind, if you would envision like the perfect future for Diamondback, what's Diamondback going to be doing in 24 months? And as short of, as short of an answer as you could possibly give me. Short as anything possibly in 24 months, we're going to have the goal is – the the goal, Damani, is right now is to figure out that goal. And I don't mind saying that. Um, we have a lot of opportunities with this brand. Uh, one of the things that we're doing right now, that we're in the position where we are, we've taken this sort of home brand lifestyle company. We're moving into a small company now where we've got some significant revenue. We're starting to build out our organizational platform, finding the right people to do the right things. The next thing is to say, okay, what what do we want to be? Do we want to sell millions and millions of tool belts? Do we want to build out other sewn goods in the industry like harnesses and knee pads and bags and all this sort of thing? Do we take our expertise in tool belts and it, and convey that into police and fire and rescue and military? Um, there are a lot of different avenues we could take. Um, and... Right now, the, the development stage we are in in Diamondback is saying, okay, we've kind of righted the ship. We got it headed in the right direction. Now let's see what's in the future. And yeah, you're just going to have to wait a few months before I can give you the answer to that question because we got a lot of work to do to figure that out. Or you can just keep continuing to tune into the BizBuild podcast where you can follow <laughs> the development of Diamondback Tool Belts. just been listening to the biz build podcast i'm your host damani follow me on instagram at diamondback underscore damani that's d-a-m-a-n-i or follow connor on instagram at diamondback.toolbelts you can also find more about diamondback by visiting our youtube page or facebook page hope you enjoyed what you heard here today and we look forward to you joining us again on our next episodes take care Don't forget to like and subscribe.